Welcome back. Good to have you. Bill Michael Show. Continuing on. Bringing our guy now, Mark Schofield from SB Nation, joining us on the hotline. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bill. Great to be with you again this week. Got a lot to dive into, I'm sure. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to start with the off-the-field stuff and Aaron Rodgers' comments. Is he being a leader, in your opinion, or do you think he's putting himself on a pedestal? You know, I can understand why there's some frustration with his comments and, you know, this this idea that he's sort of putting himself on a pedestal, particularly when, you know, he mentions that the quarterback coach gave him his best grade of the season after the loss to Washington. But at the same time, you know, I'm... When you come out and say that people need to be better, that people need to cut down on mistakes, I mean, that's what sometimes leaders have to do. Leaders have to come out and say, look, we need to get better. We need to cut down on the mistakes. We need to eliminate missed opportunities. And I am sure that if pushed on that, if you sort of sat Rodgers down and followed him up with that a little bit more, he'd say, yeah, I've got some things that I could do better too. So I don't think he sort of separated himself from that. But when you're losing games like this, when you're having this sort of streak that they're having right now, you can understand why people might sort of say, hey, well, wait a second, you know, you, you're contributing to this too. Maybe you should shoulder some of that burden. So I understand why people are saying he's sort of putting himself on a pedestal. But I think that, look, there are things that this offense needs to fix. Rodgers is part of that, but there are things happening up front. There are things happening downfield. There are things happening all over the field. There are things happening on the sidelines that the Packers have to improve if they're going to turn this around. The uh, the Packers themselves, uh, when, when you look at and we talk about the mistakes and things that are being done down in distances and such, this is a team that has drops. This is a team that has missed assignments. They have missed blocking, downfield blocking. They've had defensive uh, breakdowns, specifically in the second half of ball games. What? Because this is not an untalented team, right? Right. No, it's a very talented team. It's a, it's a team that. When we were talking all summer long into the start of the season, I kept saying, yo, this is one of the better teams in the NFC. This is a team to look at, obviously, in the division. I'm not sold on Minnesota. I think what's been this strange sort of disconnect is, in some sense, we expected offensive struggles, right? Going into the season, we thought, look, new receivers, it's often taken Rodgers' time to get on the same page with rookie receivers, Watson and Dobbs, and you're wondering when that's going to happen. But, hey, look, this is an extremely talented defense, right? This is a defense that's going to pressure the opposing quarterback. They've added some talent to that defense. This defense is going to give them some short fields, and this defense is going to give them some opportunities where, you know, you might get a turnover, you might get that short field, or you might get, you know, an opportunity for the offense that, could be struggling to take advantage of the situation created by their defense. That hasn't happened. And now when you look back to the offense, one of the things where they're certainly struggling is an inability to create explosive plays. The talent is there to do so, but they're not creating them. And so I think that's sort of the frustration with this Packers team right now is that the talent is there on both sides of the ball for this to be a much better team than we're seeing but they're not creating opportunities on defense. They're not creating explosive plays on offense. They're missing on throws that could be explosive plays. They're missing opportunities when, you know, what could be an explosive play in the downfield passing game, the throw isn't made. So that's the frustration. A bit of silver lining, I, I think that the defense, you know, he had the strip sack fumble that get called back. There's perhaps a window where maybe the defense could be figuring some things out. Obviously, there's still work to be done there. So maybe we eventually see what we thought we were going to see. But right now, that's what we're not seeing. This is a talented team on both sides of the ball that isn't creating explosive plays on offense and is struggling on defense. 
So let's talk about the rest of the division. Obviously, the the Vikings, they were on bye, and now they're coming back with a huge lead in the division. And I I, I don't know if I really believe that they're this this hardcore champion yet or, or maybe a paper champion. But give me your thoughts on the Vikings in the division. Yeah, I mean, obviously they have this lead that they have right now. And, you know, that lead could get extended. I know we're going to talk about probably what the you know, Packers face this week. But I still, like I sat down last week, I sat down this week to try to watch this Vikings team and come away with, okay, are they for real? And I'm still not quite there. They certainly have talented pieces on offense. And Kirk Cousins say, what do you want about Kirk Cousins? But when things are going right and on schedule, he can certainly make reads and throws and be a dangerous quarterback. And he's even shown a little bit this year where he can do some things in clutch moments, the win against New Orleans, for example. But then you see sort of how they played in the second half of that game against Miami, some of the struggles that they had in the passing game. It's hard for me to fully buy in on Minnesota. Now, they might still have enough in this division if the Packers don't figure things out. But right now, I still think that the Packers are the more talented team overall. It's just they haven't figured it out yet. Minnesota, to this point, has figured out ways to win ways to create some explosive plays in the passing game, ways to create some opportunities on the defensive side of the ball. I still think the Packers are the more talented team, but the records speak for themselves. So let's look at the Bears. The Bears get a nice win over the weekend, and we thought uh, the Bears were pretty much left for dead. Are they suddenly starting to put it together? I don't know if I'd say they're putting it together because I, I, I still think that you know they have a ways to go talent-wise on both sides of the ball. Briscoe looks like the kind of safety that we thought he was coming out of college. Very talented player. Had that huge interception earlier in that game that sort of changed the trajectory of that game in a way. And I think the coaching staff deserves some credit for what they did with their mini-buy. They play on Thursday night to get a few more days to sort of put together a game plan for this game against New England. They incorporate more designed runs for Justin Fields. He had the most designed runs out of any game that during that game on Monday night. And I think he had more design runs in that game against the Patriots than he had all season prior to the win over the New England Patriots. And so they deserve some credit for leading into what Justin Fields does well right now. But I still think they need to add some pieces on the offensive line. You know, Fields has been sacked at an extremely high rate. Now some of those sacks are on his shoulders, but there are some moments where he doesn't have a chance back there. So they need to sort out the offensive line, get their best five in front of him via free agency in the draft. They need to perhaps add another downfield weapon in the passing game. So I think there's still work to be done in Chicago, but the coaches do deserve credit for how they sort of figured out a way to get Justin Fields in a position to be successful for that win on Monday night. I uh, I don't really get too deep into the Lions. The Lions, I thought, were going to come out and be a decent team, and instead they have just regressed the same as they have in years past. And, and I don't delve too deep into them. I still think they're the worst team in the division, but I think the Packers and the Bears are battling for the second worst, as we'll say, in this division. But I just think the Packers have more talent and have that ability to turn things around. I don't know what's going to turn it around. If you're the Packers general manager, do you make a deal to give them a, a legitimate wide out at this point? You know, I think you certainly try to do that uh, because it does seem like, you know, the inability to generate those explosive plays, to the inability to sort of finish drives with points. It does seem like that piece is missing right now. You know, a, a veteran wide out, maybe that could sort of help turn things around. But I also think, you know, there are plays and examples from this past game, from other games where, you know, there are opportunities downfield and quarterbacks not throwing them. You know, I, I think 
Aaron Rodgers is one of the few people on the planet that can throw the football the way that he does. One of the most talented people to ever perhaps play the position, one of the best pure throwers of the football there is, simple flick of the wrist can put it anywhere he wants to on the field. I think at some point he needs to just sort of trust himself and trust the guys around him and say, look, I'm going to give these guys a chance. Now, maybe plays like the, the Watkins misconnection, maybe that has him feeling like, look, I've got to take this underneath throw, I've got to check this ball down. You've got to generate some explosive plays. Take some chances, let it rip, see what happens, let the chips fall where they may. Would a new receiver help? Perhaps. I certainly think they should be exploring those options. But as we've been talking about this entire conversation, there's talent on both sides of the ball. There's talent in that receiver room. Take some chances, let it rip, trust the guys around you, trust yourself, generate some explosive plays, take some chances and create those on your own. Uh, The best team in the NFC right now is? I still think it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, what they're doing on both sides of the ball right now, the way they're sort of flipping the conventional wisdom on its head. They're able to run out of shotgun. They're able to change things up. Jalen Hurts has taken some steps as a passer from the pocket, but still is a threat with his legs. And we're seeing what the, the, the dedicated run threat from the quarterback position, what that can do against these defenses that want to stay in too high, that want to play with light boxes. You can really flip the numbers in your favor from an offensive perspective. He's got that quarterback run threat on the defensive side of the ball. They get great corners right now. Bradbury, Slayer playing at such a high level. Charlton Gardner Johnson, who they got to this plan at a very high level. They can get after you up front. I think the, the Eagles right now are the most complete team in the NFC. I like the Eagles, the Cowboys with Dak back. How impressive are they, or are they still a team that is – got uh, one eyebrow raised with a question mark as to whether or not they're actually going to be this good you know i think the potential is there once dak i think has got a game or two under his belt from coming back from the injury i think the potential is there for dallas to be another very good team particularly the defensive side of the ball parsons one of the best defenders in the game right now trayvon Diggs for everything that was said and written about whether he was good or not after last year's 11 interception season he is influencing games. He had an interception of Goff early in that game, and then Goff threw an interception later in the game. The reason why he was late with the eventual throw was he looked in Diggs' direction, and even though that receiver was open, he didn't want to challenge Diggs. So he comes backside, throws late, gets intercepted. You're seeing Diggs impact the games, not just with turnovers, but forcing quarterbacks to look elsewhere. So that's a huge part of their story right now. Dak gets back, gets healthy, gets a game or two under him. I think that offense will start to click a little bit more. So Dallas on paper looks like they could get up there with the Eagles. I just want to see it from that offense. I want to see it click a little bit more once Dak has a few weeks under him. The the funny thing is the NFC is pretty much wide open at this point, and, and I, I get that. The AFC is interesting because you got the Jets that are sitting at five and two, a game behind Buffalo, Dolphins at four and three, Baltimore four and three, Cincinnati seems real at four and three, like they've put it all back on track. Tennessee, Kansas City, the Chargers. So give me your I, I think we all believe that the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC or Kansas City's fast approaching, but give me your thoughts on the rest of that uh, that conference. Yeah, I mean, it's the Bills and the Chiefs, obviously, that have sort of set themselves apart in the AFC. I think what we've seen over the past week or two, really, from Cincinnati has been impressive because for all that we said and wrote about the Bengals and they're struggling to figure out too high and how they're going to attack it, 
they had a lot of answers for, particularly this past week against Atlanta, where they were dialing up route concepts to attack those coverages, and Burrow was trusting himself, had an early touchdown in the middle of the field where he wasn't targeting receivers earlier in the season to split those two safeties and get the touchdown there. So I think what we've seen from Cincinnati in the past couple of weeks has been big for them. You know, I know the Titans are sitting there at 4-2, and two and maybe they're sort of figuring some things out. I think a lot of that is just reflective of the teams that they played. Obviously, they play... You know, they played the Colts this past week, a team that has now made a quarterback switch. So I think the Bengals, Baltimore with Lamar, you know, if they could cut down on those second-half, you know, letdowns where they have double-digit leads, it looked like they were going to blow another double-digit lead this past week. They survived, you know, this past week, but they've blown double-digit leads in a couple of different games. If they could eliminate that, that would be big. But for all we thought, look, the AFC was going to be loaded, particularly the AFC West, that's kind of not been the story. The Chargers are so banged up right now, and that offense is just really a horizontal-based passing game right now. They're not really catered to what Justin Herbert does well. So I think with the Ravens and the Bengals are the two teams I've really got my eye on outside of Buffalo, outside of the Chiefs. And, of course, the Jets sitting there at 5-2. Nice to see Miami. Now they get two back. So those two teams are in the mix as well. But the AFC has been a bit more of a letdown than we thought it was going to be. Great stuff as always, Mark. We certainly appreciate it. We'll talk again next week. Okay, pal? Sounds great, Bill. Have a great day and a great week. Appreciate it, buddy. You too. There you go. Mark Schofield, SB Nation. You can find him at Mark Schofield uh, over on uh, over on Twitter as well. Find him on SB Nation now, S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D. Some good stuff there and some good thoughts as well. We've got Paper Tigers right now in the NFC and the AFC. We've also got teams that are legit, but a lot of things right now really wide open. Uh, we got some breaking news when we come back. Stay tuned. I got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show on the air we're brought to you by our friends at Potawatomi hotel casino go to paysbig.com they've got a lot of good stuff going on specifically on fridays for the Firekeepers club Potawatomi hotel casino go to paysbig.com that is paysbig.com uh we're going to talk with peter bukowski coming up here in just a second um by the way one thing uh ben kenny i don't know if you saw this but 88 percent of the united states is rooting for the philadelphia phillies yeah, America's Phils. Everybody except for Jalen Hurts, who's an Astros fan. Right. 88%. We do not forget about the cheating scandal that overtook our friends in the Houston Astros. Just an FYI. So there you have it. Uh, let's do this. Let's get uh, Peter. We got Peter Bukowski coming on, and let's get him on the air with us now. Pete, how you been, buddy? Well, I'm just trying to catch up with everything that's been going on. Never a dull moment in Packers land. No, I'll agree with you there. Uh, let, let's first and foremost start with uh, the comments by Aaron Rodgers. Do you think those comments were warranted and appropriate in the setting of, uh, of McAfee? I thought it was more of a leadership uh, thing that I've been kind of looking for out of him. Others will disagree. So I think, like, uh, there, there's at least two ways, if not 15 ways, to look at this. And I think it, it is – I said this yesterday that, that Aaron Rodgers has become a Rorschach test. Whatever you think of him, this is going to reflect that thing, I think, because 
I think on the one hand, you can say, look, um, he's an adult, uh, and these are adults that he's playing with, and when people are not performing up to standard, it's okay to be honest about that. And look, we can, we watch the games. You watch the games, Bill. You see their mental mistakes are everywhere, and it is it is totally within reason for um, the leader of the team, such that Aaron Rodgers is that, to say, look, we need to get people on the field who are not going to be making these mistakes. And, and unless and until you stop making mistakes, you can't be out there. I think that's a totally reasonable thing to say in a vacuum. I think what makes this one particularly difficult to swallow for, for a lot of fans, and, and certainly from my perspective, is hasn't Aaron Rodgers been making mental mistakes? Hasn't he been part of this? And he didn't really say that. There were, there were a lot of people who made jokes on Twitter like, oh, Aaron Rodgers advocating for Jordan Love to get some more snaps. Like, Aaron Rodgers is not playing to his standard. If this is something that Rodgers had said last year when he's playing like the league MVP and throwing for 300 yards a game, I think it plays a little bit differently. And then you add in the element of the comments about Tom Clements having this as his highest-graded game of the year. He comes off like the guy who is on your group project team in college and you, you get a C, but he says, yeah, well, but my stuff was good. Like, okay, guy, that's not helpful. Like, that's not, that's not useful. And, you know, it, it just sort of reinforces, I think, for the people who feel this way, that Aaron Rodgers um, cares more about his stats and him playing well than what the team is doing. Now, I, I don't go that far. I'm not that person. But there are certainly people out there who feel that way, and you know Aaron Rodgers knows that. I just thought this this relayed to me a remarkable lack of self-awareness. I, uh, I, I agree with that uh, in the sense of I know there's people out there that are waiting to jump on whatever Aaron Rodgers says. I'm going by the assumption if he has said these things behind closed doors, had these discussions with Matt LaFleur, I'm good with it. I've always said if you say behind closed doors and you say it in the public, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, some uh, former players do. They say you keep it in-house. You don't start pointing out particular people. You don't start talking about people losing their jobs. Because if you don't play well for a couple of games, should you be losing your job? You know, when he, they believe that everybody's trying. I, I understand that as well. So let me ask you, do you think, let's start with the talent on this team. Do you believe the talent on this team is enough to win games? Win games, yeah. Win a Super Bowl, no, not right. Certainly not right now. Not the way that they're playing, um, and and that's part of the problem. And and I think that's why you hear all of these reports. And certainly, I have I have heard some of them as well. And and talk to people who are like, yeah, the Packers are trying really hard to get somebody. And you hear names, and and they they've been they've been trying. Um, you know, uh, Jason Hershorn, my colleague at the League, reported. That you know, back in back in April around the draft, the Packers were trying to go get Corey Davis from the Jets. And the, the Jets were like, no. So you, you always need, you know, two people to make these trades. You need a willing trade partner as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, that is part of the problem. But I do think from an execution standpoint, they have guys on the roster who theoretically should be better. Um, and just in terms of the simple stuff, like Sammy Watkins running wrong routes, not being in the right place, not, not being able to get lined up. Like, you can't be in the league for 8, 9, 10 years and not know that you need to be on or off the line of scrimmage based on this particular alignment or that particular alignment. Like, that's just an inexcusable mental error for a longtime veteran. You see Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins on plays earlier this season where they're both running into the same space. That's two veterans. One of them is wrong. 
Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb running into the same space on a crossing route and settling down. One of them has to be wrong. And so these are mistakes that you just don't expect to be seeing. Um, and, and unfortunately, they're making them. Uh, the other question is, because uh, if you believe they have talent to, to, to be better than what they are, then don't you believe something innately is wrong behind the walls at 1265? Um, yeah, yes, yes, I do. And I, and I believe that, and I have, I have believed that. And what I have, I have um, heard and gathered over the last couple of weeks only reinforces that point to me. And speaking of point, there is a lot of pointing right now going on in that locker room, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of people who don't believe that everyone is being held accountable to the same standard. And I think anyone who thinks, oh, well, the, the players just all love Aaron Rodgers calling everyone out and holding people accountable is kidding themselves because I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that is – I know that's not true. I know not every player is super cool with the way Aaron Rodgers has handled this, and, and that's been the case for a really long time in Green Bay. It's, it's silly to have one person – and, and if you want to latch on to it, say, okay, well, this person says everything's great with, with Rodgers, and so, like, that's, that's the gospel. And then these other players who, you know, we don't have to name them. We know who the, who the players are we're talking about. They're going, well, actually, this isn't the case. And everyone goes, well, they have to be lying. Like, why, is, why, why do you think that is? Why, that doesn't make any sense to me. So the, the truth always lies somewhere in the middle, right? Right. I, uh, I I look at this roster and I think this was a at the beginning of the season, nothing's changed other than some injuries. And we believed it was a talented roster and should have more accountability in the sense of wins and losses than what they have right now. So I look at it as is the scheme bad? Are the coaches holding them back? Is there problems inside the, the locker room? that maybe we're not uh, being privy to. I, I, I just, I don't, I can't put my finger on it, but something innately just feels bad for this Packers team. And and to me, it starts with Matt LaFleur at this point and just listening to him speak and say numerous times, I don't know. That's somewhat alarming to me, I guess. I, I think you're right. And and I think, um, you know, this is this is the, the, the biggest piece of adversity that this team has faced. I think bigger than losing the, the 49ers game, bigger than been losing the other 49ers game bigger than losing the NFC championship game at home is trying to keep this team together as they're, they're all struggling for answers. You hear Sammy Watkins say, yeah, we don't know. We don't know what's going on. And, and I think that makes it difficult. Uh, I, I'm looking at, by the way, we're talking with Peter Bukowski of the Lockdown Packers podcast at Peter underscore Bukowski is where you can find him. So looking at this game on Sunday night with the Buffalo Bills, uh, I said, look, if you win it, tremendous. The train is back on the tracks. If you if you lose it, but you lose it competitively and fighting and looking good, then I think you've got something to build on. If you get blown out, I think the season is over. Is that the way you look at this game Sunday night? Absolutely right. And I, I said this on my show today. They have a chance to... I think really changed the narrative for their season. If you go out and you hang with this Bills team, and I don't mean hang with like, you know, Big Ten teams hang with Ohio State, where at halftime it's 17-14 and you lose 44-14. No, not like that. I mean, like, you you go out and, and it's it's close, nip and, nip and tuck throughout the game, and you either have a chance to win it late or, you know, Josh Allen engineers an MVP drive in the fourth quarter and you lose and, be, and it's just because Josh Allen is awesome. Like, I, I think that allows you to say, look, this shows we can hang with any team in the league. We can still be the team that we want to be as NFC contenders. But you're absolutely right. If they go out and they get embarrassed, 
Like, I don't know what you hang your hat on as a player, as a coach, and certainly as a fan. You're just going, no, no, this team just doesn't have it. Um, it's it's time to uh, to see what Jordan Love can do, which Aaron Rodgers is not going to agree to. Um, but you know, I, I, time to time to play the young kids. Let's see what Joan Winfrey can do. Let's let's Romeo Dobbs. Like I think that's that's where they would be. Now is that how they're going to treat it? No. And and by the way, you know, if the season ended today, they'd be half a game out of the playoff picture. So it's not like the season is actually over mathematically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I think it will certainly feel over if this is some sort of like 35 to 13 beatdown. Yeah, that's just it. It would feel over very much so if they get just drilled out of the house at this point. Because then I, I would not know what game you could possibly pick them in moving forward that you would say, yeah, they should be a favorite or they look as if they should be able to beat this or that team because I, I just wouldn't see it at that point. Maybe Detroit, but that's about the extent of it. Uh, defensively speaking, give me your thoughts on uh, how over the last couple of weeks uh, they played a little more man, they played a little more press. I don't see the same tenacity we saw last year and the same attitude, but Joe Barry looks as if at least he stepped it up a little bit when it comes to the play calling defensively speaking. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm actually very pleased with what we've seen from, from Joe Barry in terms of the adjustments that have been made. They're playing a ton more man coverage. I mean, you think about that last play. You, you get Kenny Clark coming free, and you have him in the face of Taylor Heineke, and you have, you have Jair Alexander one-on-one against Terry McLaurin, and, and that's exactly what you want. You have one of your best defensive players creating a potential negative player, a negative play, and then you have one-on-one coverage with your best corner, one of the best in the league against Terry McLaurin. That's what you want with the game on the line. And sometimes you're just going to get beat. Like that, Terry, Taylor Heineke played a gutsy game. And unfortunately, that was enough to beat this team. They're, they're getting pressure a lot. They're, they're getting a lot of what they want defensively. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's been not enough in the second halves of these games, in part because the offense is doing them no favors. I mean, you look at the, their five, three, or four and outs in the middle of this game. That's debilitating to a defense. How how can you how can you create and stay at that level of intensity when you have that um, to deal with? Yep, no doubt, Peter. I appreciate it, pal. And uh, we're going to be uh, talking after the game coming up on Sunday night because uh, this is going to be a big determining factor as to how the rest of the season goes. We'll talk again soon, bud. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. There you go. Peter Bukowski, Locked on Packers podcast. Joining us at Peter underscore Bukowski at Peters at Peter underscore Bukowski. A lot of rumors floating around out there, uh, and I don't know if they're true or not, about A.J. Green. Uh, The Cardinals wide receiver is a name that keeps coming up, apparently, according to ESPN and Packers trade deadline discussions. Uh, Look, I said I just tweeted it out. I said, look, first of all, it takes two to tango. So this might be all that the Packers can either one get to deal with or two this is all they can afford uh, i i don't know uh jerry judy they're got a second round draft choice for him i do that in a heartbeat do that in a heartbeat uh if that's all it's going to cost you to, to pry him out of denver uh, at this point if you believe he's the number one and your true number one i give up a first round draft choice for him you know your third round picks have, have just completely sucked over the last four years so I, i'm i'm not I'm not thrilled about that. Uh, hanging on to a third, or got to hang on to some of these draft choices because you know these are going to be big name guys eventually. I, I don't believe that. Uh, and if you talk about uh, AJ Green, AJ Green, the only thing AJ Green is known for was catching a lot of touchdowns early on in his career in Cincinnati, doing that uh, flip 
into the end zone, landing on his feet and, la- and sticking the landing. After that, he's been nothing more than a banged-up player who's been adequate at best and not a, a, a mammoth contributor the way he once was throughout his injury, uh, you know, injured career. So it would be another body. It would be an upgrade for maybe Sammy Watkins, but it would be another body to throw to. If he can catch, great. If he can't, I don't know what to tell you. But if that's all you can get, you're either, one, not able to afford anything else because you're only $7.5 million under the cap, uh, or which is a damn shame, uh, or you can't find any team to work with you right now and trade with you. You know? Uh, Cheap Noyon says, what about Antonio Brown? No. No. Oh, my God, no. I don't want Antonio Brown anywhere near a football field ever again. No. He has been on one recently, Bill. A lot of pictures of Brady uh, and and Giselle. He photoshopped Brady on his body when he ran off the field in New York. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pass. Yeah, I don't don't want uh, Antonio Brown anywhere near a football field ever again. Never again. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, feel free to go ahead and do so. Uh, again, 877-867-1670. Uh, we have got the adult industry stepping in to help with the World Series and fans. Yes! I kid you not. So... We're going to come back. I'll tell you all about it, what they're willing to do, what they're willing to do to help out one particular city. The adult industry is all lubed up and ready to go. The when world needed. of vibrating anal beads. <laughs> Stay tuned. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Forgotten Fire Winery. They're up in Peshtigo, and if you stop up there and tell them you want the Bill Michaels deal, They'll uh, do a wine tasting with you. Get to talk to Jake, who's the master winemaker. They have won awards, and if you go to their Facebook page, you can see the awards. But they just want you to enjoy their wine. They just want you to enjoy whatever it is you drink, drink it, and enjoy it. And that's what they're all about. They are Wisconsinites making wine for Wisconsinites and those beyond the border. Look for them in grocery stores, liquor stores, wine stores as well. Ask for it by name. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. They are not snooty. You're not sitting on the peninsula going, yes, no, none of that. You're just enjoying it. You're having friends over. You're having a dinner. You're enjoying a game, whatever it happens to be, and you're enjoying a bottle of Forgotten Fire Winery. ForgottenFireWinery.com. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.